0: Acts chapter number 11. We'll start, we'll read our text first this week. Let's stand all over the house. Acts chapter number 11. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. Saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying... Skip down with me to verse number 14. 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he had said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized... "...with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them like gift as He did unto us..." Notice this, word, this wordage Peter's using here. "...us and them, them and us." Look at the cultural lines that are being drawn in his, in his speech. "...and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that He had said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall baptize with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them..." The like gift, as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I? Us, them, what was I? Let's preach this morning on this thought. What am I? What am I? Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray this morning that your word move into the hearts of your people. God, I truly believe that this Sunday, your people are ready to hear from heaven. Your people are ready to not hear from a man, not hear from a platform, but to hear from a powerful Lord God and Savior than heaven that can speak to them through his word, that can cut and divide as he needs to, and can heal and apply grace and apply mercy where he needs to. God, I pray that you move in each and every individual this morning as you see fit, not by the will of man, but by the will of an all-power and almighty God. pray that you use this service. Fill me with your spirit. Empty me of self. and. Keep me out of the way so that you may do your work. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. By way of review, last Sunday we looked at those visions of victory. We saw Cornelius' vision where God gave him the idea and the thought through that vision to go reach out for Peter. We saw that Cornelius was a great man of great stature and great power. But he needed something more. God wanted to show him something else. And we saw Cornelius' vision was to simply go get Peter, then we saw Peter received a vision and he saw that that sheet be let down from heaven and he questioned it and he questioned the motive of God and he said, no Lord, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean, but the Lord was trying to show him something so much bigger than a picnic, so much bigger than food, so much bigger than the little things in Peter's mind. God was trying to show him that the Gospel was to be preached to everyone and the Gospel was to reach unto the uttermost and the guttermost and that the Gospel did not see color, it did not see race, it did not see culture, it did not see background, But the gospel was something that was for each and every person named under under heaven that had ever been created. And we saw Peter's vision was that. Then we saw God's vision explode there in that place, explode there in that room. When the gospel was preached unto those Gentiles and they received that gospel gladly. They received that gospel gladly. They heard it. They repented of their sins and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And now you see uh, Peter... Excited. You see, Peter uh, making his way. We notice an anticipated return. Notice here in verse number one and the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Notice the order of which things happened. The apostles and brethren heard about it long before Peter made it back to Jerusalem to tell them about it. When God does something big, when God does something huge, when God moves in a place as little as this little world and He does one little thing, He performs one little act. It may be little in the eyes of men, but it is huge in the eyes of God and it causes the Word to spread. It causes the, the rumors to start flying. It, st- it causes the gossip to start flying. And those apostles and those brethren, they heard about what was done there. They heard about what was done to the Gentiles long before Peter got there. No doubt the rumors started to fly. No doubt the, the brethren back in Israel, back in Back in Jerusalem, we're saying, Did you hear who got saved? Did you hear who got a hold of the Holy Spirit? Have you heard about who Peter went and preached to? Have you heard about those people that were in that place that Peter went and preached to them? Have you heard what... I don't know. I haven't seen... I've just heard. I've just heard about what's gone on down in these Gentile nations. They would have been awaiting Peter's return. They would have been desperately waiting for the truth of the matter to come. No doubt as Peter journeyed back towards those brethren, he's anticipating getting there. He's anticipating being back and saying, boys, you're never going to believe what God did. Boys, you're never going to believe what God showed me. He showed me this vision. He gave me this idea. He gave me this idea to follow this guy named Cornelius and to go to his house and preach to these people. And these Gentiles got saved. Peter would have been excited. It would have been an anticipated return. They would have been waiting to hear from Peter, and Peter would have been waiting to tell them what God had did. But not only that, it would have been met with an antagonizing reaction. The reaction wasn't necessarily what we would have liked to see. Verse number two. And when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, the Jews contended with them no matter which way you slice it contended means contended it means on the opposite side that Peter was on they questioned it they desired to understand and Peter what are you doing going and eating with these unclean folks and going and uh, preaching to these people who don't even know Jehovah they don't even know who Moses is Uh, Peter they don't even know who Abraham is they don't even know who Isaac is these people have no clue what you're talking about these people aren't one of us that is us that is one or that is them the us and them mentality peter what in the world are you going and preaching to them you're one of us know immediately the contention here there's a us and a them there's a this side and a that side there's a division there is a, a a lens that these men are looking through that they cannot see to the other side of the fence that they're just simply because of their heritage because of the way they were brought up because of their religion because of the things that they had been told from birth from their fathers and from their mothers they could not connect the dots at how in the world peter could carry the gospel to them and they were contending with Peter. They were antagonizing Peter. But then we see an, an apostle's response. Look what Peter says. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning. You know when somebody does that? When somebody says, when they are asked a question, and when they are pointed and they are contended with, and they simply start by rehearsing the matter. That shows wisdom and the, and the knowledge and knowing that Peter was saying here. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Let me tell it to you. Let me rehearse to you. Let me explain to you exactly what has just taken place. Peter didn't come back and say, how dare you question me? He didn't get in his own ego and say, how dare you question what God asked me to do? He didn't get in his own feelings and get angry. Or He said, well, you know what? That's a good question. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Let me rehearse the matter before you. Let me tell you exactly what took place. Let me tell you about this vision God gave me. He then goes to fill them in on what God showed him. He fills them in on his vision. He fills him in on that sheet let down from heaven. He fills them in that he got direct word from God that God told him what God has cleansed, call that now not common or unclean. And he begins to rehearse that matter and he begins to tell them. And he breaks it down and he gets down to verse number 15 and he says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. He's explaining what just took place. The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us. He's using their language. He's using their conundrum To explain to them exactly what's taken place. He's saying the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us. He's speaking their language. This language of division. It fell on them as on us. And in verse number 16 it says, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how He said, John indeed baptized with water. That was a religious baptism. That was the baptism of us. That was the baptism, and Peter was saying here, that was the baptism of John. That was the baptism of the Jews. That was the baptism that took place there in that time and in that dispensation. But I remember what Jesus said, boys. He said, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. This is not a religious baptism. This is a spiritual 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 baptism. I will shout it from the rooftops. Baptism is commanded in Scripture. It is honored in Scripture. Baptism is required of salvation, but it is that spiritual baptism. It is that baptism where the Holy Ghost comes into your life when you repent of your sins and He washes your sins away. The water in that jug up there does absolutely nothing for eternity. If a little baptismal pool, if a little bucket of water could change your eternal state, if it could do anything about your sins, Jesus would have never had to come and die on a cross. Jesus would have never had to come and take those nails. He would have never had to come and take those thorns. The spiritual baptism is what Peter's finally starting to understand. Hey, boys, the Holy Ghost is doing it. It's not religion anymore. It's not the baptism of John anymore. It's not the Jordan River anymore. It's not any of those works by which we have done, but the righteousness which he's placed on us in the spiritual baptism that has taken place. And now Peter is starting to express to them exactly what's happened. And this is how he closes his response in verse number 17. For as much, then, he's closing out his answer to the brethren. As God gave them, like gift, them, as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I? Notice the question Peter's presenting here. He's saying God is now doing something for them that he did for us. So what am I? You starting to understand what Peter is saying here? Peter did not ask who was I? No, what's the language he used? What was I? Not who was I. He knows who he is, but what he was. This was not a question of personal identity, but more of a party identity. He said, the gospel is now not just for Jews. It's not just for Gentiles. So who's it for? What are we? What is this group that is now forming? The whole, guys, the Holy Ghost is doing something amazing here. He's doing something so enormous here. I can't quite, quite understand it. What am I? What are you? What are we? That's the question we're going to seek to answer this morning. What am I? Because I have a feeling that in every one of these pews, just like me, we're faced with that question as we scroll. What am I? We see this ad and we see this advertisement. We see this slogan. We see this campaign. We see this news story. And immediately when we see it, or when we hear it, or when we turn on the TV, we ask ourselves that question, what am I? As Peter was saying, what where do I fit in? I know what God is doing. I'm understanding his plan now. But but what am I? Am I over here? Or am I over there? Am I supposed to be over there with them? Am I supposed to be back here with us? What? what am I? Up until this point, the church had just simply been leaning and focusing on the Holy Ghost and following them step by step. They hadn't got their team t-shirts or anything yet. They didn't have a name. They didn't have a slogan. They didn't have anything to call themselves. Up until this point, these were Jews that had been saved and these were saved Jews that understood that they were still a Jew by lineage, but now they were a child of the King by their salvation, by the blood of Jesus Christ, but they had not quite grasped exactly who they were, what they were. So we're going to seek to answer that question this morning. In this time, in this day and age, when we're faced with the same us and them, when we're faced with the same division, when we're faced with the same hatred, when we're faced with the same anger, we're faced with the age-old question, what am I? Where do I fit in? Number one, we are scattered. What are you talking about? Verse number 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. Understand, first of all, we are a peculiar people. When that verse says scattered there, you know what it says? We everywhere. When asking this question, what am I? Notice that people like you and people like me are everywhere. That people that all have acknowledged and placed their faith and trust in the cross of Calvary and placed their faith and trust in the bloodshed work of Jesus Christ and the thing that He did there on the hill of Galgotha, that there are people like you and there are people like me. And this question of what am I? What are we? We are scattered. We are everywhere. Do not get and believe the lie of the devil that you are the only one left that serves God, that you are the only one left that goes to church, that you're the only one left that still believes in the old past, that you're the only one left that reads the King James Bible, that you're the only one left that is willing to witness and willing to say and willing to be the voice of truth and to be the one that'll stand in love and, and, and wrap your arms around somebody. Don't believe the lie of the devil that you are alone. We're scattered. We saw the persecution of Stephen, the death of Stephen take place, and the Christians there scattered. The brethren there scattered. They went out. They said, Okay, obviously, here's not the place to be. They're trying to kill us. Their motives, ne- not necessarily were spiritual, but they could have been survival motives. Let's get out of here. But as they went, not only were they a peculiar people, they were were trying to understand where they fit in, where they're going, understand the times. They They no longer fit in with their Jewish brethren. Their Jewish brethren were trying to kill them. And the Romans would soon jump on board and begin trying to persecute them and trying to kill them. They were a persecuted people. The church, while it's a peculiar people, it's always been a persecuted people. From the day one, on Pentecost until now what we do here the name we name the message we preached Satan's never liked it not once Satan's never wanted to hear it not once Satan's never wanted any one of us to get out of our pews and go talk to our neighbor. Satan's never wanted any one of us to get out of our pews and go talk to our aunt or to our uncle or to our cousin, that one that's lost in the fields of sin. Satan's never once enjoyed the message of the gospel. He's never once looked forward for it to come. He's never once enjoyed that that there's still a church standing in a community preaching God's Word, reaching out to their community, putting out a loving hand of grace and saying, why don't you come to church? Why don't you come and embrace and be part of the family of God? Why don't you come hear the gospel? Satan's never enjoyed that. He's always attacked that he's always persecuted that so think it not strange brethren when you fall into diverse temptations when these times in the in satan tries to get you satan tries to take you out satan tries to shut your mouth satan tries to wreck your testimony satan tries to get you angry with your wife or get you angry with your husband satan tries to get you angry with your kids or angry with your family or tries to get you to show your tail out on the social media waves because satan is trying to persecute the church A lot of us would like to get prideful and think, oh, he's just out to get me because I'm so valuable. Satan could care less about you. He's trying to ruin his testimony. So remember whose name gets slandered if we fall into it. Our name will pass off with the dust of the earth. His name's forever. I'd hate to be guilty of doing something or saying something that brought shame to his name. They were a persecuted people. But lastly... Praise the Lord, they were a preaching people. Look at verse number twenty. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the who? Grecians. These were these folks that believed in Zeus and Medusa and all these crazy, you know, Greek gods and Greek mythology and all this crazy nonsense that's out. These were these folks. This was them. Those are the guys that that worship the guy in the ocean with the trident. His name's Poseidon. Those are the the people that think there's a guy throwing lightning bolts out from a mountain up there in in space. His name's Zeus. You know what they said? Let's go preach to him. Let's go tell them about Jesus. Let's go tell them about the one true living God that came to die for their sins. That they don't have to pay homage to Zeus. They don't have to pay homage to Poseidon. They don't have to pay homage to any of these fallacies and any of these pagans and any of these things that they think. And let's go tell them the truth. Let's go tell them the truth in love. Let us go tell them that we're no better than they and that we too were blinded by religion. We too were blinded by our own pride. We too were no better than they were, but God so loved us. God reached way down for me and God reached way down for you. Let's go tell them, even though they worship something different, even though they're in a different culture, even though they don't look like us, even though they don't act like us, let's go tell them about Jesus. They were a preaching people. What happens when preaching and the Holy Ghost takes place? People got saved. People got saved. Now we see more Grecians, more Gentiles get saved. What happened? Number one, we were scattered. Number two, we were smothered. No, I'm just kidding. Some of y'all will get that in a second. There it is. We are scattered. Number two, we are believers. Verse number 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed. Number one, we're scattered. We're everywhere. We're a peculiar people. We're a persecuted people. We're a preaching people. But number two, we're believers. Notice what took, takes place. Number one, verse 21, an unseen hand. Verse 21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, You didn't hear me. And the hand of the Lord was with them. One more time. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Do you understand that there is an unseen hand with us? that when we go to battle, when we go to preach, when we go to speak the truth in love, we are not alone. That His hand goes before us. His his hand leads us. His hand guides us. And here you have a group of believers. You have a group of Christians. You have a group of people that didn't know where they fit in. That looked out into this world and said, well, they're different and they're different and we're different. We've experienced a change. And they're asking the question, what am I? You know what they did? They grabbed a hold of that hand and they said, I'm going with you. I'm going wherever you're going to go. I'm going wherever you lead me. I'm going to follow you wherever you take me. I'm not walking by myself. A lot of us get into that trap and we get into that rut where we follow God for a second and we hold on to that hand, but then we see something shiny over here and we let it go and we follow it and we leave Him standing and we can't find Him and we question, I'm not as close as God as I used to be. I'm not as spiritual as I used to be. You know where you find Him? The same place you let go of that hand because that hand's still extended. That hand's still reaching out. That hand's still reaching way down and holding your hand through these times and these shadows of life. We just got to remember to hold on to it. I'm sorry, church. I keep getting the message that I talk a little fast. I'm sorry. That's my apology. An unseen hand. Notice who's in control. They didn't come together and say, all right, where are we going? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna tell them? See, those people they worship Zeus. They're scary. But them, you know, they're they're the followers of Medusa. They got funny haircuts. Over here. Oh, you see, they they follow Poseidon. That means we get to go to the beach. Let's go preach to them. Nope. You know where they were going? Wherever that hand was taking them. Wherever that hand was leading them. An unseen hand, but an undying humility. How many of you remember the sermon we preached a few weeks ago, But Barnabas? Watch it come together here in just a second. Verse number 22. Then the tidings of these things. Then the tidings of these things came into the ears of the church was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas. Look who gets to be the preacher of Antioch Baptist Church. The one that did not see race when Saul was in there. The one that did not see background when Saul came to the disciples. The one that in the beginning, when the brethren pushed Saul away, and in the beginning where they didn't understand how God could save somebody as evil as Saul, but the one who put his arm around him, the one who embraced Saul, the one who spoke on Saul's behalf, the one who did not see color, who did not see culture, who did not see a crazy belief. He saw a chosen child of the king in the beginning, and now that there's a great multitude of these people getting saved, and they're looking around, for the pastor, they remember the undying humility Barnabas had then, and they knew he would still have it now. They said, we need somebody that's going to love these people. We need somebody that's going to pastor these people. We need somebody that's not going to get so caught up in their Greek mythologies and their Greek this and their Greek that that he's just going to spend all his time talking about that and forget the truth of Jesus Christ. We're going to send Barnabas because we remember his undying humility. We remember him being willing to swallow his pride and say, men, don't deny Saul access to the ranks of God. I've seen what God's done in his life. I was able to look past Saul and all the evil he did and just see what God was doing. When it came time to send somebody to preach to these people, to send somebody to pastor these people, Barnabas, you didn't see color then, you're not going to see it now. You didn't see culture then, you're not going to see it now. Barnabas, we need somebody to pastor these people. Will you get down there? He takes off. We see an undying humility in Barnabas there. But then, whew, we see an unbelievable hierarchy. Look at the team that forms. Look at the team that forms. Verse 22. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and he had seen all the things which the men had done, no, What does it say? The grace of God, he was glad. And exhorted them all that with the purpose of heart they would cleave unto the who? He didn't say, Your leader has arrived. Follow me. Nope. He said, I'm going here to get you closer to him. That is the job of this platform. That is the job of this under shepherd is to come into a place where God's sheep are, where God's uh, (coughs) flock is and tell them how to get closer to the big shepherd. It is not to draw them unto himself. It is to draw him unto him. Barnabas says, I'm here to get you closer with him. That is my only purpose. But he needed help. Look at verse number 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus. Who's he going to get? You see God's plan coming together? The church starts to take off, it starts to run wide open. I need help. Who's he going to get? I need somebody who can relate to these pagans. I need somebody who can relate to these devils. I need somebody who can relate to these people that have been worshiping the bugs and the bees and the rocks and the trees. I need somebody who can relate to the people that have been living all these crazy things and doing all these crazy things. I need somebody who's walked in their shoes. I need somebody who understands where they're coming from. I need somebody to be a pastor to them that can relate to them a little better. I'm going to go get the man nobody saw coming. I'm going to go get the man nobody had plans to get. I'm going to call the preacher nobody else would call. I'm going to call the man that heard everybody's feelings and and caused havoc and caused this. I'm going to go get that man. He brings him back. What takes place? And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that as a whole year they assembled themselves together with the church. So we're asking the question, what am I? What am I? We're scattered. That's what we are. We're scattered. We're everywhere. What am I? We're believers. No matter where we are, no matter where we're from, no matter what we've grown up in, no matter what we've been around, no matter what we look like, we're saved, we believe in the same God. We're scattered. We're believers. What am I? As I'm scrolling in all these medias and I'm turning the TV and I'm hearing this opinion and that opinion and I've got this person in my family saying this and this person, where do I fit in? Whose side am I on? What am I? Verse number 26. And when they had found Him, He brought to Antioch and it came to pass what a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called We are Christians. What do you mean? We're not this or we're not that? We're not on that side? We're not? No, 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 no. We are Christians. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that look like? What, what, what am I? What, what are we? Where do I fit in? Where do my opinions come from? When I go to speak, what am I standing on? What is my basis? I see them and I see us. What am I? They had a pastored, a pastored identity. 26a says, And when they had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled in the church. They taught the people, they taught him, they poured into him. This is a whole year that takes place. This is Barnabas and his assistant Saul teaching them, pastoring them. What am I? You're a Christian. Well, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means you're pastored. It means you're pastored. Now, don't get it twisted. So you're saying if I don't have a man telling me what to do, I'm not a Christian? No, no, no. You're missing it. There is somebody that you're listening to. There is somebody that is pouring into you. As a Christian, you owe it to the God who saved you to listen for Him. You owe it to the God who saved you. To be taught more about Him. Whether that's through a pastor of a church. Whether that's through a biblical leader in your home. Whether that's through some people only have the direct pastor of the Holy Spirit in their Bible. Think about that. There's places in this world they can't come to church. There's places in this world that they, they can't call a pastor and say, Teach me. Teach me more. Show me more. Pray with me more. There's places in this world where Christians like you and like me, the only pastor they have is the Holy Spirit of God. Could I tell you that's the only one they need? Could I tell you that's the only one you need? As you come to realize, when you ask this, what am I? You say, I'm a Christian. Well, what's that mean? That means you're pastored. That means somebody is helping you grow, whether it be the Holy Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit of God and your pastor. Oh, the Holy Spirit of God and your pastor and the deacons or the Holy Spirit of God and your pastor, the deacons, your dad or your grandpa or your mom or your sister or your brother. God can use anybody. But what a lot of us fall short on is that we say, I'm a Christian. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. And we shut our ears off to the Holy Spirit. And we wonder why we can't remember those verses. And we wonder why we don't know what the Bible says about this issue or that issue. And we wonder why. Why we don't understand what's going on in these last days. We don't understand God's prophetic time clock. You know why? Because we've been refusing to be pastored. We've been refusing to let the Holy Spirit take His Word and put it in our hearts and cause us to grow. They're a pastored identity. But not only that, it's a passionate identity. Notice this. Back in verse number 26 again. And it came to pass that a whole year. That's scary to some of us. You mean to tell me they went to church for a whole year straight? They were passionate. What am I? I'm a Christian, but what's that mean? You're passionate. Christians, hear me, don't have to go to church. Christians get to. Do you hear me? Christians don't have to go to church. Christians get to go to church. These people here in Antioch, they understood that going to church could get them killed. Going to church could get them the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one. It could get them thrown in prison. It could get get them excommunicated by their families, excommunicated by the city, put out and called crazy and all these terrible things said about them and all this negative attention all because they simply wanted to go to church. But a whole year went by. There they stood. Coming to hear what God was going to say. Coming to hear what God's message was. If you find yourself being, and God's dealt with me big time on this, I'll be honest with you church, this morning I took this right here and I deleted Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Why did I do that? Because I found myself getting weighed down with wanting to just see. Not even say but just wanting to see. Do you know that there's engineers making millions of dollars designing ways and algorithms to keep your eyes on this phone? There's more money spent every year getting you to keep your eyes on the media and on the news than there is for medical research. There's more money spent every year to keep your eyes on the news and on the media and on the politics than there is for looking for a cure for cancer. You know why that is? Because the devil's a liar. Because the devil don't want you picking up that Bible. Because the devil don't want you talking to your wife. Because the devil don't want you communicating with your husband. Because the devil don't want you... And it's very easy to say, well, then it's all his fault. No, sometimes we just have to put it down. Put it down. Well, it's all his fault, so can't blame me. No, 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 no. They are a pastored... Identity, but they're a passionate identity. Your passion for the Lord, your passion to get to know Him, your passion to follow Him, your passion to learn more about Him should outweigh any other passion you think you have. You shouldn't have to go to church. You should get to. You shouldn't have to get off your phone to read your Bible, young people. You should get to. You shouldn't have to hang up the phone. Mr. or Mrs. talks a lot, so you can pray a little bit. You should get to have your prayer time. You understand the attitude these Christians have? When you ask this question, what am I? And you stand and you say, I am a Christian, that means some things. It means you're pastored, it means you're learning, it means you're passionate. You place that as a priority over everything else. And lastly, it's a powerful identity. Do you think I'm bad about this, I'm sorry. I read, and then I read, and then I expound, and then my head gets involved. So y'all forgive me. But do you think they sat down and they say, we need a team name. Let's vote. No. They were called Christians first at Antioch. The Bible does not say they called themselves Christians. Notice who named who. The world looked at them and said, those are Christians. Those are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't have to create a name. They didn't have to create a theme. They didn't have to create a slogan. They didn't have to create this, that, or the other. They had to do nothing. The name of Jesus speaks for itself. Do you understand when you say, I'm a Christian, the power... In that name. Do you understand when you say, I am a Christian, that one day every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess at the name of Jesus? As Miss Joy comes, how many of you could honestly say, like me, you've looked at the division and the chaos of this world and you've asked the question, What am I? where do I fit in be honest you've asked the question as you're looking at it or as you're looking at it what am I to do in this world what are my kids supposed to do standing all over the house as she plays understand church we're scattered we're everywhere you're not alone Don't believe the lie of the devil that says you're all by yourself. We're believers. We all believe in the same thing. The same God, same cross, same blood. We're Christians. It means we listen. We dwell in unity. And we understand the power that's inside of us. As she plays, I'd like to extend an invitation. Maybe you just need to come and get close with the one you share that name with. Maybe you just have a burden. We've got some altar workers down here, men and women that you just need somebody to pray with you. You go to them. They'll just pray with you. Why are they there? That's why they're there. If You just come and you want to be alone with God. That's what these altars are for. Maybe you just need to tell God, this morning I was reminded that I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm not clinging to this title or this title or that title. I'm a Christian, I'm yours, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that your word, your name speaks for itself. God, I pray this morning as hearts may be troubled and they may be asking the question, what am I? Where do I fit in? God, for that one in here who's lost, that doesn't know your name, that doesn't name your name, God, I pray that you help them to see that you want to give them your name. You want to save them. Help them, give them the boldness and the faith. Take that step. In Jesus' name, amen. She's going to play. She's going to play a couple more verses. If you need to come, you come. He's gonna play one more verse. Maybe two more, maybe three more. As many as it takes. Has God dealt with your heart? He's here. you just keep on playing you're in the altar you stay in the altar as long as you need to be church i hope your heart got what mine got when i was preparing this message when you start asking that question what am i god gives you that overwhelming response i am a christian i name his name i am a christian hold on to those four words i am a christian come back tonight I got three more words for you tonight. I believe God's gonna use it. I'm already seeing God use each and every one of you. It's a blessing. Let's close in prayer and we'll be back at five tonight. God, thank you so much for your church. Thank you so much for your family. God, help, help us to understand that it is all about you. Help us to leave this place today, maybe with a fresh outlook on the fact that we're Christians before we're this or before we're that, before we're any nationality, any race, We're Christians first. God, I pray that you deal with your church. You bring them back at 5 o'clock. God, give us a fresh message from heaven again tonight. Lord God, I praise you and I thank you for all you're doing in this place. All you're doing in my family's life. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're dismissed. Miss Joy, play us some coming home music.